People seek many things in life, don't they? There are thrill seekers. I've never been that kind of person myself, but I, I know there are some like that, just seeking the next adrenaline rush, anything that will give them that thrill. There are people who are constantly seeking out new places to visit, traveling around the world. There are many young people who seem to be always seeking a relationship, and that's their tireless pursuit. But whatever we seek, there is one thing to seek, one pursuit that is greater than all the rest, and that is the pursuit of God. And that's what we see in this psalm. And particularly in verse 8 is the text that we're going to look at this morning. Verse 8, where David says, You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. This verse shows us the heart that truly seeks God. The context is King David, who is constantly pursued himself by enemies who wanted to destroy his life. And throughout this psalm, David is putting his trust in God, though many are assailing him and breathing out violence against him. But David continually puts his trust in the Lord and finds courage in seeking God in the midst of this dark season of life. In verse 4, he tells us the one thing primarily that he seeks. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David was not simply seeking freedom from his enemies, but he wanted to be back in the house of God, back in really an eternal temple where he could constantly seek after God, where he could gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire of him. David sought after what we might call the beatific vision, the glorious sight of God and knowledge of God more than anything else. He says this is the one thing he asks for. That will he seek after. And then when we get to verse 7, we see the inner workings of this desire in David's heart. In the ESV again, the text reads, you have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Now the Hebrew of this verse is somewhat difficult to render, so bear with me for a moment just in explaining this. If you look at various English translations, you will find different ways that this verse is translated. But in Hebrew, if you can follow me for a moment, the text literally reads, concerning you, my heart says, seek my face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Okay? Concerning you, my heart says, seek my face. Your face, Lord, or Yahweh, I will seek. I think the best English translation I found was the HCSB. Anyone ever used the HCSB before? Okay, one hand, all right. So it's not one we commonly use, but it is a good translation. It, it says this, my heart says this about you. You are to seek my face, Lord, I will seek your face. What's really going on here in this verse is the echo in the heart of David when hearing God's call to come and seek his face and then the resolution to seek God's face that follows. So let's consider this a little more deeply in three points. The call, the echo, and the resolution. First of all, the call. In all translations, and even in the ESV here, it, it is very clear that God has called David to seek his face and is calling him to seek his face, even in this very difficult circumstance. It says there, seek my face. That command is clear. What might not be so clear is that this is a universal call. The imperative there, seek, in Hebrew, is a plural and so, if we were to translate it in English, adding more words to it and complicating it a little bit, 
We might say, y'all seek my face. It's a plural command. God is addressing more than one person. And I think we see in this that God's call to seek his face is universal. It is not just to one individual here or there, not just to David, but it is to all people. God calls everyone everywhere to seek his face. And especially he commands his people to seek his face. So it is not just to David here, but a general, a plural call to seek God's face. We also need to note that this really is a call to prayer, to prayer, and perhaps other means of grace, but especially prayer. What it means to seek God in the Bible is really primarily to pray. The Hebrew word to seek, bakash, has the idea of searching for something you want to find, to seek something out, to inquire of it. In 1 Kings 10.24, it says that all people were seeking out Solomon for some of his wisdom because it was so renowned. All peoples were coming to seek Solomon and get some of his wisdom. So when it comes to God, we seek him primarily through prayer. We come into his presence and we seek his presence and we seek his favor to seek God's face is to seek nearness to him, to seek fellowship with him, to seek to converse with him, just as Moses even would go into the tent and speak to the Lord face to face. We seek to be near him in fellowship, and it also means to seek his blessing, because for God to look upon us with his face, to lift his face upon us, even as it says in Numbers 6 in the blessing of Aaron, may the Lord lift his face upon you, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. That is the Lord's blessing. It's his favor. And so what this means is that we seek God in prayer for his presence and his blessing. The Net Bible even translates this to make that very explicit. It says, my heart tells me to pray to you. And I do pray to you, O Lord. Of course, as we pray and seek God, we are often seeking him with his word. We are bringing his word to him. We are coming with a knowledge of God's will in his word and his promises. And we pray in his will, which is really the only way to be answered in prayer. Is if we come and pray according to his will. But primarily here, I want you to think of earnest prayer as seeking God, seeking God's face. Verse 9 shows this. He goes on to seek God, and really throughout this psalm, he's seeking God's face in this way. But verse 9 says this, Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in your anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. That's an earnest prayer to the Lord for his presence, for his blessing in this circumstance, for his deliverance, because David is surrounded by enemies. And so he's seeking for God's favor in this time, that God would not forsake him. He would not turn his face away from David in anger, but he would help him as he has in times past. This is what it is to seek God, to seek God in prayer. And really, we are called to do this in all kinds of circumstances. Notice this, that David, in the middle of this most troubling circumstance, he hears God's call to him, seek my face. God calls us in all circumstances, wherever we are, if it's in a terrible time where we're pursued by enemies, if it's in times of temptations where we're tempted to sin, if it's in times of blessing when we're tempted to just be satisfied in ourselves, he calls us at all times, seek my face. So this is a call that comes in all kinds of circumstances. And it is a call, as Matthew Henry says, that is both 
permission and precept. To be called by God Himself to seek Him is a permission, an invitation of highest honor. If you got special permission to come and visit with the King of England, to be in His courts and converse with Him, what an honor that would be. But we have this invitation from the King of all kings to approach Him, to come into His holy temple, to come to His presence and seek His face. That is amazing permission. And it is a permission, a welcome that only can come to us through Jesus Christ. You know that it is through the blood of Christ because that veil upon the cross was torn open that we have access and confident entrance into the holy places. As Hebrews 10 says, we can draw near. Indeed, we are called to draw near because Christ has opened up this new and living way through his sacrifice upon the cross. In Psalm 24, it says, Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who shall come up to his holy place? It's only those who are perfect, those who have clean hands and a pure heart. Those who have no sin can come to God in his holy presence. But David says, even in Psalm 5, I, through the abundance of your loving kindness, will enter your house. It's through the grace of God that our sins are washed away and we can come up into his holy temple. This is amazing permission, amazing beyond belief, that we come to the creator of the universe, though we are creatures and sinful creatures at that. But it is also a precept. This is a command of God. He tells David in the imperative mood, seek my face. If the king of England again would call you into his presence and you didn't show up, what might be the consequence? But how much more if we do not seek God when he himself calls us with this highest honor? And how, how often, friends, do we neglect this and treat it as a light thing to come into the presence of the king of all kings? Friends, this is permission and precept. And I would say further, it's a call that belongs to the very nature of humanity. It belongs to our nature as people created in the image of God to be in fellowship with God. We were made in his image and likeness, not merely to reflect him on this earth, but so that we could be in a relationship with him. God is a speaking God and we are speaking people. And so he calls us to speak back to him. We were made to walk with God in the cool of the day, as in the Garden of Eden, to be always in communion with him, hearing him and speaking back to him, listening to his commands and obeying him. And it was one of the most tragic moments in history when Adam and Eve, having plunged themselves into sin and ruin and temptation, now were ashamed and they hid themselves from God when he called. Friends, that ought not to be so. That is unnatural to the way we were created in the beginning. And yet since the fall, the scriptures say repeatedly that no one now seeks after God. Since the fall, it is our natural instinct rather to hide from God. And run away from God. We are like lost sheep who have gone astray. And indeed we seek everything but God. Turning after idols to our own ruin. Just as we know someone is very sick when they've completely lost their appetite for food. We know that humanity is sick. It is diseased because we have no appetite toward God. That is man in his fallen state. But throughout scripture, friends, God calls people back to seek him. Seek me, he says. Seek me and live. And for a moment, I'm just going to go through a, a, a scattering of verses here. Scattering a bunch of verses like seeds. So listen to these. 
we're going to go through the Old Testament and, and the New Testament a little bit. Just look at some verses that contain this command to seek the Lord. This is a call found in the Old Testament. 1 Chronicles 16.11 Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually. 2 Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Jeremiah 29.13 Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Amos chapter 5 verse 4 and verse 6 says, Seek me and live. Seek the Lord and live. Zephaniah 2 verse 3 says, Seek the Lord all you humble of the land who do his just commands. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. Perhaps you may be hidden on the day of the anger of the Lord. This is a call not just in the Old Testament, but from our Lord Jesus Christ himself. Often in his teaching, he told us to pray. He says in Matthew 5, 44, pray for those who persecute you. Matthew 6, 9, pray then like this, and he gives us the Lord's prayer, right? Matthew 10, 38, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Matthew 26, 41, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Luke 18, 1 tells us he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. This is a call that's repeated then by the apostles. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. Colossians 4, 2, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. 1 Timothy 2 verse 1, First of all then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. 1 Timothy 2 8, I desire that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. James 4 4, draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. James 5, 13 to 16. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him. Anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And then one of the most glorious calls to prayer in Hebrews chapter 4, 14 to 16. It says, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so friends, this command here we have in Psalm 27 verse 8 is also a universal command and especially toward his people. It's something we've run away from since the fall, but it is natural for human beings to be in converse with God. And he calls us throughout the scriptures to seek him. And what a gracious call that we come through Jesus Christ. Now, not to a throne of judgment but to a throne of grace. And God promises to give us help, find mercy and grace to help in our time of need. Is God calling you this morning with this command, seek my face? He called David and David answered. We see in this text also, a second point here is this echo 
the echo in David's heart of this command. So really, in the Hebrew, it runs this way. Concerning you, my heart says, seek my face. This is interesting because it's a command that comes from God. But what David is saying here is that my heart says to me, this command of God, seek my face. It's my heart that is telling me to seek God in prayer. In other words, the command of God that David knows, David knows that God tells us to seek him. That command echoes in his heart. That command resonates in David such that he is compelled in the very depths of his being, in his spirit, to come to God in prayer. This is when the will of God and the heart of man align perfectly. Like when your favorite song comes on and you can't help but sing along to it, David's heart sang along to God's permission and precept to seek him. Charles Spurgeon on this text gives an interesting illustration of this truth. He was on a trip through Switzerland at one time. And there's apparently this stretch of road where these buskers would come and they would try to get money from the travelers. Some would have these great big horns. And I, I'm imagining like the Swiss Alps, right? And probably someone in, in his overalls or whatever. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> imagine that big horn, right? And there's, there's this guy blowing this horn. And there's rocks opposite him. And when these rocks come in contact with the sound... They echo forth with this sound. And he gives forth more notes. And the rocks begin to sing. Just like that, Spurgeon says. Christians answer the call of the voice of the Lord. And echo back to him in obedience. This call of God is like the call of a, a sergeant. That goes throughout the earth. And all Christ's soldiers answer back, yes sir. They're called to attention. But they do not simply do so out of duty. But rather delight. This verse is so powerful because it shows the heart of the true believer. The true believer loves this call. The true believer heeds this call from their very heart. And they seek the Lord. It resonates within them. This is a response that we see in every true believer. Every true child of God has this heart longing for God. They have a desire to seek God's face. So this command does resonate in their hearts. Is it resonating with you? If our one desire is to be with God, if he is in the top position in our life, and we see his beauty, we will be delighted that God calls us to more of his presence, to see more of his beauty, to have more knowledge of him, and intimate converse with him. This indeed is how the Christian life begins. Though we once were blinded by sin and Satan. From seeing the glory of Christ. And so running and hiding from him. And seeking any other thing. When the Holy Spirit comes into a person's heart. When the Holy Spirit does a work of regeneration. He gives us the glorious sight of God. And a knowledge of God such that we see his beauty. We see his, as the psalmist says, the beauty of holiness. And we see the riches of his mercy and grace in what Jesus has accomplished for us at the, at the cross. And he calls us to seek him in repentance and faith. And we do so. The dead soul jumps up to listen to the call of God. By the Holy Spirit's work in our heart. Said another way as, as Paul says it in Romans 8 and Galatians 4. When someone becomes a child of God. When they are truly born again. Then the spirit of the son. The spirit of adoption comes into our hearts. Crying Abba Father. That's how you know a Christian. Is because they pray. They cry out. To God as their father. Because they've been redeemed. They've been adopted through Jesus Christ. For this sonship. And so they begin to depend on the Lord in prayer. 
This is the experience of all true believers. And it will continue throughout their life until they are in the blessed and full presence of God. Friends, this does not mean that our seeking of God will always be perfect. Perhaps sometimes we delay coming to God for a little while. Or we find ourselves cold for a season. Or we find our souls and lives, in, in our souls and lives, many obstacles to coming to God. Perhaps it's our own sin that becomes this cloud before the sunshine of God's face. But it is the sign of a soul's health when we are continually seeking the Lord in earnest and passionate prayer and worship. Just as a baby will not cry out for milk only when they're seriously ill, in the Christian, the natural communication with God lost at the fall is restored. So every true believer, every born-again person can resonate with this verse. You have something of this echo in your heart, Christian. It may be at times weakened or infrequent, like an irregular heartbeat. But if you are a Christian, you know this. Because Christ and his kingdom have become precious to you, you delight to seek him. You delight to seek his face and his blessing. You depend on him, as David does here. But the opposite is true as well. If this response is absent, it spells great danger for a soul. Non-believers do not know what it is to rejoice in this call of God. Rather, they chafe at it. They do not seek after God from the heart. Even if they go through outward motions, even if they come to church, they don't have this spirit. They don't have this heart of David. They will squirm and tense in their hearts to try to get away from this call or perhaps react violently against this call. Or they'll do their best to ignore it or run away from it, harden their hearts till it means nothing to them, till they can hear it and it really doesn't bother them at all. Really, trying to get an unbeliever to hear this call is like trying to hold a cat in the bathtub. The heart of an unbeliever, though it knows what it should do, when it hears the call to seek God's face in repentance and faith, will excuse itself in a hundred different ways. It is not just hard for them to obey this call. It is impossible until the Father draws them. As Jesus says in John 6, 65, no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. But at the same time, Christ makes this universal call. He says, come to me, all those who thirst, he says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, pray, seek my face. But people are responsible when they refuse to come to so great and high an honor. And if they continue refusing, it may, it may just be that when they do decide to call upon the Lord, he will not answer. Proverbs 1 speaks of this sobering reality. Proverbs 1 verses 24 to 28. It says, because I have called and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded. Because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices, for the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. As we read earlier, 
Isaiah 55 calls to the sinner, to the wicked, and he says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. He's near right now. You can call upon him. You can seek him. It's a day of grace right now, but that may soon come to pass. Friends, if you're in this state where you have no heart desire to seek after God, he calls you today and he calls you to enter in to his grace that you actually can dwell secure. You can come into Jesus Christ. You can find the safety for which your soul longs. You can be satisfied in him as with living water. Won't you come to Jesus Christ this morning in faith? Heed that call. Friends, this is also a response that we have to be careful about as Christians because God often calls to his people in scripture and he tells us to come to him, to seek his face, not in hypocrisy, not in hypocrisy. And and if we do so, he says he will also ignore us. God wants his people to seek him earnestly, earnest, genuine, heartfelt prayer is what God wants. He does not want double-minded prayer. If we try to approach God while clinging to other idols, he will not hear us or answer us. If we come to him and we're not willing to admit our guilt before him, not willing to come as David did in Psalm 51, a, a broken and contrite heart, recognizing who we truly are before God, he will go away. Hosea 5.15 says this, I will return again to my place until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face and in their distress earnestly seek me. When we come to God in prayer, yet unwilling to admit our guilt and lay down our sins before him, he will hide from us and will not bless. Ezekiel 14 describes a similar situation. Elders of Israel came to Ezekiel and they were seeking a word from the Lord. Said, Ezekiel, prophesy to us. Tell tell us what God is saying. They, They were seeking God in a sense, inquiring of the Lord. But God said, these men are clinging to their idols. They set their idols before their face. And would they seek after me? I will answer them in judgment. And no prophet is to tell them any answer from the Lord. Friends, God wants us to come to him genuinely. But how gracious a call, actually, that we can lay down our sins and be honest with God. That he calls us to actually be exposed for what we truly are so that we can come and find his grace and mercy. We don't want to live in hypocrisy. We have to come, as Hebrews says, with a true heart true heart. We cannot serve two masters. We cannot be an an employee at two jobs at the same time when they both require our full attention. So also, we cannot come to God double-minded in hypocrisy, holding on to sins and idols. Friends, we have to get honest with God first and confess our sins as we come to Him truly. This is also, though, friends, a response that, if heeded, leads to great deliverance and great reward. David here has assurance throughout this whole psalm. This psalm is brimming with confidence that as he sought God in this time of trouble, God would deliver him. God would answer him. And Hebrews 11 says, It is impossible to please God without faith. Rather, if we want to please God, we must must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek after him. We have to believe this. We have to believe that there are answers to prayer, that there is deliverance, that there is great reward. Verse 5 and 6 of this psalm says, For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. 
He will lift me high upon a rock, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Verse 13, he says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Throughout this psalm, we have no indication that God had delivered David yet. But he was steadfastly trusting as he sought God that God would indeed deliver him. No, God does not always promise us an easy life or freedom from all afflictions or all sicknesses. Paul had many calamities in his life. And then he had that thorn in his flesh and he asked God to take it away three times. But God said, my grace is sufficient for you. There was an answer to prayer there. Not exactly what Paul thought. Not exactly what he wanted. But there was sufficient grace. God came to him in his very presence and his blessing. And so we also can expect answers to prayer. Whatever he calls us into, he will answer with his very own presence. And many times in great deliverance and favor. I've seen several answers to prayer. And even the last month, guys, you need to believe this, that there are answers to prayer. There is great reward when we seek God. And ultimately, God will give us all things in Jesus Christ, in the vindication of the next life. He will deliver us from every evil deed and bring us into his heavenly kingdom. He will give us the whole earth one day because we're co-heirs in Jesus Christ. He will deliver us from these earthly bodies. We'll have the full redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Truly, he answers every prayer. Not one good thing does God withhold from those who seek him. We may have to wait, but he will answer. David says this in verse 14, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Sometimes we're called to seasons of waiting. But waiting with eager expectation for God to fulfill his promises to us. And really, friends, the best reward that we can find in seeking God is his very own presence. The joy and peace of fellowship with him. His presence itself. Matthew 6, 5 to 6, Jesus said this, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Ultimately, the best rewards we get are truly in secret. What reward could be better than a kingly visit from the presence of the Most High God? There is a story about Charles Simeon, who was a pastor in the 1700s. A friend of his came into his room, accidentally interrupting his devotional time. And it's said that when he came in, he found Simeon so absorbed in the contemplation of the Son of God and so overpowered with a display of his mercy to his soul that he was incapable of pronouncing a single word till at length he simply exclaimed, Glory! Glory! Have you experienced anything like that in the presence of God in prayer? There are such rewards if we seek him. There are sometimes such powerful moments in prayer that they can't hardly be described. But ultimately, after our time on earth seeking God, we will enter the fullness of his presence and see him face to face. And that is a prayer of ours, isn't it? Come, Lord Jesus. I look forward to the time when I see him truly face to face. I can't see him now. He's invisible to me, but I love him. I have faith in him. But one day I will see him. And that's what I'm seeking. That's what David is seeking. One thing have I asked of the Lord. That will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All the days of my life. 
to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. One day we will be in his fulfilled temple in a new heavens and new earth. We will inquire of him. We will have knowledge of him like nothing we experience here on earth. We will see his face and his name will be on our foreheads as Revelation 22.4 says. Some of the sweetest, most comforting words in the Bible I, I find are 1 Thessalonians 4.17. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And then these words, and so we will always be with the Lord. Is that not your desire, saints? If you have this heart of David, if you are a born again believer, that is your desire to always be with the Lord. That's our happily ever after, friends. That's the end of the story. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. This leads to great reward. Friends, bear with me for a few more minutes. I want to apply this truth with the second line of this verse. Really, we've just looked at the first line in Hebrew. Concerning you, my heart says, seek my face. Then what does David say? In reply to his heart telling him to seek God's face, he says, your face, Yahweh, I will seek. This here, I believe, is a resolution. I don't think David is simply saying here, I do pray to you, God. That's something I do. No, I think he's saying, I will seek you. I, I am resolute. I am diligent. I'm applying myself to this. Sometimes we get messages from friends Perhaps, and we dawdle around for a while, we wait a couple days, and then finally we re respond, and they've seen at the bottom that it says red, and so they're maybe a little bit frustrated with us. That's not what David does here. That's not what we're to do with God. When he calls us, when he says, seek my face, we say, Lord, your face, I will seek. Friends, we need this message right now. I know for me, I can get slack at seeking God at times. I think our church as a whole has grown a bit slack with regard to this call. Consider our prayer meeting. Only a few show up. Friends, I really do believe this is important. God is calling us to seek his face and not just as individuals as we saw, but corporately. He says to all his people, and he says often in scripture, Paul says it, 1 Timothy 2, First of all, when he's talking about church life, I urge that there be prayers and intercessions and supplications. I desire that the men in particular should pray. We need to be men of prayer. This is what public worship is really all about. The church is called a house of prayer for all nations. Isaiah 56, 6 to 7 God prophesied about the days I believe in which we are now living. And he says this, and the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, think Gentiles, people who, who are grafted into Israel to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants. Everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Each Christian is a little temple of God. A little house of prayer. Each church is the temple of God as we gather. A house of prayer. And again as Zephaniah 2 says. He says gather together. Yes, gather, O oh shameless nation. And he made this call to a people, friends who had grown complacent. Many had turned from seeking the Lord. They, they were complacent in a life without God. And he says to them, gather together. Yes, gather before the decree takes effect, before the day passes away like chaff, before there comes upon you the burning anger of the Lord. Before there comes upon you the day of the anger of the Lord, seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, who do his just commands. That was a call to Israel. 
before God was going to come in a day of anger, in a day of judgment, but it also looks forward to the day of judgment to come for us. Christ is returning. And as Hebrews 10.25 says, we're to gather, we're not to neglect meeting together, but all the more as we see the day approaching. And one of the things we gather together to do is to seek the Lord, to seek Him in prayer. We must hear the call of God and seek Him when alone, seek Him in our homes, seek Him in His gathered house of prayer. Everyone who has this heart, we are to resolve today with David, your face, Lord, I will seek. Friends, resolve. Resolve to seek the Lord every time he calls in your heart. Is it not your experience that oftentimes God calls you in your heart to seek him? Whatever the circumstance, maybe you're tempted, God calls you, seek me. Maybe you're just alone in your house and God says, seek me. This is a perfect time. Come, come and seek me. Know my presence. Seek my face. Or have we become so dull of hearing, so hardened, so complacent that we hardly ever hear this call at all? Have we become so dull of hearing that we can't hear that echo anymore? Perhaps we need to return to the Lord in a more serious way. Put away all the clutter in our lives. Put away the distractions. Put away the hobbies. Put away the entertainment. Put away our sins that cling so closely. And come again to hear the call of the Lord. Seek my face. But friends, I want to be the kind of person. And I want all of you to become the kind of people who whenever God calls us to seek him, that would echo and we would resolve. I have a friend who is powerfully saved at about 30 years old, a great man of prayer. He's a pastor now. He says that in the first season of being a Christian, he was so, so zealous to seek God. He would be at work and he would take extra bathroom breaks just to get away and be somewhere so he could pray, so that he could seek God. Now, I don't recommend being slack in your work so that you can go and pray. But oh, that that heart would be found in more of us. Robert Murray McShane said, There are some souls whom Christ so delights to be with that his hand is often found on their door. Oh, that that would be us, that the Lord would take such pleasure in us, that he would often visit us and command us and call us, Seek my face, and we would call back to him. Your face, Lord, will I seek. We don't need to wait for the new year to make resolutions. You don't need to wait until January to resolve to seek God more. Children, you don't need to wait till you're older to resolve to seek God either. Josiah sought the Lord when he was 16 years old. You can seek him at any time. Call upon his name. Begin this life with God. And friends, as we, as we come to God all the more in prayer, we must wait eagerly for God's answers when we seek him. When we seek him, we need to understand that he answers in his time. But in the meantime, as Jesus teaches us, we give ourselves to desperate, importunate, persistent prayer and trust that he will answer. As David does in this psalm over and over, he trusts that God will answer. Again, it's brimming with confidence. He believes that he will look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He encourages us to wait for the Lord, be strong and take courage in the last verse. Friends, we should not give up before we receive the blessings we're seeking for. We ought to give ourselves to persistent prayer here. Even as a watchman in the middle of the night, he knows that the sun is going to rise and so he waits. He waits eagerly. He watches the horizon. That's to be us in prayer. Watching, praying, 
hoping in his word. Friends, if again, you are an unbeliever, you know that you're straying like a sheep. But you know that Jesus says, I came to seek and to save you. He says, I came to seek and to save that which is lost. And you can now return to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. You can come to him in faith. If you believe in Christ, he will give you this heart as well. And you will seek him. And you will know him. You will find him when you seek him with all your heart. Let's pray. God, we pray that this lesson would sink into our hearts, Lord. And we thank you that you have called us to seek you, Lord. And what a privilege that we draw near right now to the throne of grace. And we know your presence and your help and your blessing through Jesus Christ, Lord. Nothing, nothing that we've merited. Lord, we were running from you. I was a lost sheep. We were all straying like sheep continually. But now we have returned to the shepherd and overseer of our souls, Lord. And we pray, shepherd, guide us, lead us, be with us, even in the dark valleys. Lord, that we would be comforted by you and be helped by you and, and to know you more. God, I pray that this church would grow in its seeking of you. God, we would become more, more desperate for you. That we would see our need for you. That there are enemies all around as there were in David's time. Lord, we have enemies. We have the flesh. We have the world. We have the devil breathing down our necks. Would we not pray out of desperation? God, help us to see our need of you. Call us continually. And Lord, give us the strength to answer back when you call. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.